There we go. Oh, it's it Wednesday, is. ladies and gents. You know, McDonald's made a killing by becoming a franchise. And today we get to talk to somebody to learn how that goes. I'm pumped. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business, business Bros. Bros. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is all about taking your company and putting it, adding a little fire to that sizzle. <laughs> all right, all right, we'll go with that. That works. Drop that one. Here we go. All right, all you business pros. Before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, and drop a review. Help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests while we rise up in the podcast rankings. We will sincerely appreciate it. And if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on to learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.biz slash guest to schedule your time slot. And don't forget to follow us on all our social media at Business Bros Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're so excited and honored to bring yet another incredible guest on the Business Bros Pod. Our guest today knows that there are more ways to invest than just real estate and stocks. While many of us are out here trying to build our successful businesses, our guest provides investors an opportunity to take an existing working model and run with it. After running her own independent consultant franchise, our guest has taken what she's learned and is now helping people to purchase and operate their franchising opportunities. Her job is to ensure that the investor is matched with the right business opportunity to maximize the odds of success. So if you've ever considered buying a franchise, tune in today to hear from an expert on how it's done. Joining us today out of Centennial, Colorado, from FriendNet, franchise experts, welcome to the show, Megan Nellis! Welcome to the show, Megan. Yeah. Oh, you guys are great. There's actually a little button now that you can push for a 30 second dance party. I saw it on um, Instagram. So, kind of music. I love it. It's so much. You just gotta dance, right? It, it's about having fun, right? Yeah. I mean, you're you you gotten onto the Streamyard platform. We're gonna show you how we have fun with it, and that's just what it's all about. People want to smile and feel something good on a normal day to day basis. So that's what we try to bring them: a little bit of fun, a little bit of education, thirty minutes a day. And today is your day. Love so. It. I want to know how you got into the franchise space. Like you don't just wake up and just decide, okay, uh, you know, I'm going to start going into franchising. You kind of develop, right? Oh my gosh. No. Yeah. I was going to college here in Denver, native of Colorado, love Colorado. will never live anywhere else. Traveled the whole country. But when I was younger in high school, I just needed an after school job. And my dad was part of a franchise. So I would go and file franchise agreements and everything was done by hand then, right? So you didn't fax it even, you had to mail it. Um, and so I learned from that first opportunity, I would sit in meetings, they, I was like their intern. And from there, my dad left that company. He started his own equipment finance company. I was still in school for college and he's like, you know, I could really use help. And I was like, Oh my God, working with my dad, that's crazy. Right. But it, it really ended up really a really good opportunity. 
And, you know, through hard work, I watched my dad, I learned sales from him. I learned, and not just sales, like consultative selling and being there for people and solving problems. And really just by luck, um, we kind of got a business going there and, and that business was purchased by another equipment finance company. And then uh, one of my heroes, my, his name is Mike Sheehan, gave me an opportunity to go to American Express, um, the credit card company, and they had a division. I then quickly rose the ranks to be the account manager for Intercontinental Hotels Group, specifically Holiday Inn when they were remodeling all of those in the 90s to early 2000s and had just a wonderful time, did Six Sigma, you know, all of the the things that a big company brings to the table. At that age, it was just walking MBA. I'm telling you, it was just amazing. And from there, they were sold to Key Bank, which is um, a decent sized bank out of Ohio. And I realized, you know what, it's time to move on and challenge myself again, right? So I went to Hamburger University during my time at American Express. You mentioned McDonald's. You know, one of the biggest franchising myths is probably that, you know, franchising is just fast food and it absolutely is not. Um, But I think that that was one of the first things that have you guys ever watched the movie, The Founder with Michael Keaton? Every year. It's weird because my, you know, every year it's it's one of my Christmas movies and it has nothing to do with Christmas. Right. But it's on my list to watch every single year. Yeah. I love that movie. And he really, Ray Kroc was one of the founding kind of um, influencers in, so think about if there was Instagram now with Ray Kroc, right? I mean, he would be Mark Cuban, Shark Tank. He would be worldwide, right? So I I really fell in love with the model of franchising because I got to work at American Express with the actual franchise owners. And I really looked up to the, especially the folks in the um, the hotel industry. It takes a lot of capital. It takes a lot of hard work to have 20, Holiday Inn hotels. And I learned from those folks, you know, even though I was solving a problem, one of the things that we actually financed was their software. They had been still working with DOS. And so IBM had created a really strong Windows-based reservation system, right, for them. But think about that. That's, that was a really big innovation, right, right then. And then I got to finance um, shower heads and things that traditionally you wouldn't finance, right? Because they were soft costs. And what I really was able to do is is push the envelope with the, uh, the credit departments at American Express and say, they can literally not run their business without this software. So it was, that was just fun. You know, I mean, I went to a conference for Holiday Inn at the Mandalay Bay in Vegas, and I've never seen such luxury. I mean, I was blown away by it. It was crab legs, the whole length of the sandbar there at the Mandalay, um, seafood towers, like you wouldn't even believe. And I just said, oh, I think I like this. You know, Get in my belly. That's right. That's right. Well, look, you're, you're talking a, a, a big money thing that's going on here. I mean, what is a franchise really? It means you have a system for offering your product or service. And that system is so efficient that you can take it and implement it in any other place. Subways, you can do it with uh, Jiffy Lubes. I mean, there's so discount tires. Everybody who develops a, their business, they're trying to put these systems in place. And I think the end goal should be so that you can franchise. Whether or not you do get into the franchisee business, your goal in your business should be so that anybody can operate that. 
what, what do you think people are missing when it comes to growing their business and getting it to a point where you can even sell it? Wow. First of all, I don't think that there is enough financial planning. There are, gosh, 4,000 plus franchise concepts, but that doesn't even include Europe, right? Or any of the other countries. And what happens is people get the bug to replicate because they're proud of something. But what they don't understand is that once you transition over to being a franchisor, which is the, the, the one that owns the license, right? So McDonald's corporate owns the, the, the license of the trademark, right? And you actually have to put that in, in the documentation to give to prospective franchisees. And so what I loved about it, why just it stuck with me in my core is that it's a regulated industry. Now, there's a lot of people that hate regulation, but trust me, in this specific industry, it works. And the reason it works is that the, the, the Federal Trade Commission has made a stand and a line in the sand that says, if you want to buy a franchise, you have to provide the same information that McDonald's and Subway does. So it's a book and it's called the Federal Disclosure Document. Every 4,000 of those franchisors have to do it annually, not just whenever they want to. Like there's a deadline, okay? So you can only have it 12 months from the day it's approved. There's states like California, which I know you guys are in, that truly it's the most regulated industry maybe in California. And the reason is, is it's consumer protection. Truly, it is. You cannot tell people that you will make a million dollars if someone else in the system hasn't. Hmm. And that's very often is one business doesn't translate to overnight success you have to follow the model, right? So if you're a McDonald's franchisee, you can't just not do the McRib when they say it's time to do the McRib, right? Like you have to do it because it's part of the offering and it brings people in that haven't maybe gone to a McDonald's in 10 years, right? Because they want that McRib back. So there's a big, big ecosystem of how it works. But what really boils down to it is you can franchise anything. And I think that's kind of where you were going with this is, what is it? How can you do it? Well, it's a system. It's a POS system. It's uh, training for employees, right? It's operational manu manuals that you have to have it or you can't even file the federal disclosure document. So it, it's so regulated, but it's so well regulated that you can make an entire career like I have and be on the supplier vendor side. You can also be at the franchisor side, which I did for 10 years and help grow Camp Bow Wow, which is a really fun doggy daycare and boarding facility franchise. And we were the first to do, to your point, franchising in the pet care area. And now that is owned by Mars, the candy company. So that little engine of six units in Denver when I started with Camp Bow Wow is, is pretty big time, you know, and it's helping dogs. It's solving a solution, right? That's what franchising is all about is build a better mousetrap? Why do that if you can buy something that already has the logo and the trademarks to protect your business? And, you know, best practices, franchisees that have already made it that you can learn from. So, well, you, you, the bug, you know? Yeah, you, you, you talked about a couple things there. Uh, one being that when people want to franchise, they do it because they're proud of something that they've created, right? Uh, and, and I know speaking to a lot of entrepreneurs that we have this idea of we can do it all and that everything should be done by me because nobody's going to do it the way I do it. Nobody's going to do it the, you know, the, the same quality. 
The problem with that is is a lot of people don't actually have a business. They have a job that they own, and there is no way for them to exit this particular job. At least when you have a W-2 job, there's an opportunity for you to have a 401k at work. You know, you, know, you can maybe put together some sort of stock option plan at companies, or you know, if you're really lucky, a pension that's available for exiting the workplace. But when you own your own job, there is no exit strategy. How vital, I mean, in your opinion, when you're, when you're talking about franchising, yeah, it's super regulated, but you're literally taking your process and you're making it so that Mars, for example, a company can come in and say, this is a very profitable model. I love the way this works. We would like to purchase an opportunity to either license it or just buy out the company. How vital is it to get your company in a position where that is even an option? Wow. That is a mouthful. I will tell you the work we put into Camp Bow, thinking of every single way a dog could escape, right? If you look at 10 years of my body of work there, it, it really is astounding how much you have to pay attention to detail if you want to get evaluation. The cool thing about being a franchisor, right, is that you have contracts, franchise agreements. You have a term on those. There's an ability for those people to sell. Everything's in that document. There's a transfer fee and everything's upfront, right? So if you want to get out, you can. Matter of fact, we would train the franchisees on their succession planning, you know, bring in a manager to give them skin in the game, allow them to be on the franchise agreement, um, give them the opportunity to buy it before you sell it to someone else. It, you know, evaluation, if, if someone has a valuation and just so you know, small business administration loans are usually the best way. They're the cheapest and the longest term loans you can get to buy a business of all kind, right? It doesn't have to be a franchise. And it's usually three to five times of a multiplier of the true profit. So as they call EBITDA, right? Mm -hmm. So everything, including you paying your taxes, your insurance, all of it, that is what your valuation is. So every business owner, I mean, every business owner should have a CPA certified CPA should pay the thousand dollars or whatever they charge you annually. And you ask them what your valuation is every year, end of year, you have them help you reinvest. Do you buy a second franchise location? You know, do you buy out an open business that is for sale in your franchise and diversify that way and add? So it's, it's a, it just, it's just so amazing because you, once you know how to do something, you can replicate it. Some of my best friends own five, six, seven franchises, right? And some of them are people I brought into Camp Bow Wow. And now they own multiple units. And it just is delight for me because they built family wealth. They bought the real estate. They've been able to get a 30-year SBA loan on the real estate because there's a really strong asset there. And so it's about wealth generation. But I, I will tell you, you have to start with one. And you got to grind it just like you guys are grinding your business or anybody else. It has to be an every day, all day. You have to be able to sell yourself and be passionate about what you're doing. And so when I see people buying franchises that aren't sexy, I'm like, okay, who's doing the promotion? Because, you know, this is a real need. Like remodeling garages, right? There's a new concept that I absolutely love that does that. And it's a very focused business, right? It's an average ticket of $5,000. And so they are able to concentrate. And then what they'll do is they'll probably buy additional territories within that or or 
other home improvement like, right, where you can use your same marketing list and you can grow that way too by providing other services. Like there's a great new insulation franchise, believe it or not. You know why? Because all these old houses have terrible insulation and people are paying three, four hundred dollars, right, a month to heat and cool their houses. So there's a lot of. Oh, hell no. (laughs) That's what happens. So I think what I get the most fulfillment out and why I decided to join Framit is the thought of helping people decide if franchising is even an option, right? So you set their budget. We call it a business model where you go through and you say, what hours do you want to work? Right. And I make folks really commit to what they think they want to do. And the reason you do that, because you don't want to sell someone something that's weekends only if they're going to be absolutely miserable, right? And either try to close the business or not make the valuation. So back to your point, you got to find something you're going to be able to stick with to get money out of it. Well, let's let's talk about that. So there, but there's two sides to that, right? There's one on the franchisor side is who's saying, okay, let's let's see if you're willing to commit to this uh, on a long term basis. Because I'm sure as a franchisor, there are plenty of other responsibilities that come from creating a franchise and 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 you know licensing it out. And then on the other side, you got to vet the people who want to buy a franchise, oh. right? Because, they, you know, I've heard stories. I mean, you saw it in The Founder where you, you get a franchisee who comes in and they're like, you, you walk over to McDonald's and they're selling chicken and, and you know, there's lettuce in the hamburger. It's like, this is not fitting. This is not the model that we want. You know, when, when, you, when you're talking to these people about whether or not they're going to be a franchisor or a franchisee, uh, when you're setting these expectations – how often is it, you know, this is not going to be a fit and how often is it, let's, let's really mold what you uh, are expecting and what the realities are going to be before you even move forward. Well, I think that's what I do well and all my friend that franchisee partners across the country do is we have these real conversations about what the business that they're looking at is before they even talk to anybody at the franchise or, and because I've been in it for so many years, I, I feel like I've seen people fail and maybe they weren't honest with themselves, right? So we use um, a profile. And then I, like I mentioned, I do the business model. In the second I see them straying from their own business model, I say, slow down. This is not going to work. Because they'll come in and say, I want to Planet Fitness, right? Well, Planet mm-hmm. Fitness isn't always available because they do huge, massive multi-unit development or someone owns a whole state, Right. So I have to educate that, too, because there's so many different models. Fitness is um, one of the fastest growing parts of, you know, sub segment of franchising. But at the end of the day, you know, the biggest thing that drives me nuts on an ethical basis is there is no absentee ownership of any business. And so a lot of people get this. Oh, I can keep my six figure job and buy this franchise, right? And I'll just hire a manager. Well, the manager quits. Manager sucks. A manager who isn't who she or he said they were. So you're constantly, you know, battling that. So you got to buy something, not just because it has a good return. You have to be willing to go in and save it from closing. So you do get that money at the end of the 10 years of the contract at the latest, right? So, oh, I could just go on for hours about this absentee thing, right? I always say, Absentee means absentee results. You know, you're going to be lucky if you make eight to $10,000 a year. And then you got the monkey on your back to pay royalties and you know what I mean? All of those things. So it's nothing to be taken lightly. 
I had a, a client that read their, her first franchise disclosure document, absolutely just freaked out about the fees because of course it's the worst case of the fees, right? Not what is normal. They have to protect the brand. They have to make sure people that are underperforming rise to the top. So there's a lot of reasons and rationales about why it's so one-sided, you know, these contracts, but you got to remember it's everybody's life investment in the brand. And if one person's a bad apple, back to your point, it's going to affect someone's going to go drive and try to get chicken at McDonald's and they're going to say, no, we don't have it. And there's an uproar, right? So you made a great point. And by the way, there's also things that franchisees bring in and help the brand and their fellow franchisees. In the case of McDonald's, just what you mentioned. In Ohio, they didn't have people would just stop going during Lent, right? There was no, you, you could only eat fish. So they created a fish sandwich. It was wildly successful. And it's always been on the menu because you can't just have hamburger, right? And that was a lesson that Ray Kroc learned from that franchise owner. And they got along because it did actually bring value. So there are processes where you can come into uh, into a franchise, right? You can buy a franchise. Uh, and it's not that this is the system and this is the only way and that's it. We're set in stone. There are ways where you can improve upon that franchise. You just can't go out and try it yourself. There's actually a process uh, in, in place, right? The best way in rule of thumb is if I wanted to offer a different service, which, you know, it's very comprehensive what I do at Franet, but... I would go to our CEO, Jana Bailey, who's absolutely amazing. And I'd say, here's the business case for this, right? And I really like to beta test it. That's a very, very popular term. And it's hard for a uh, founder or a CEO or executive C-level to say no to someone that's really passionate and has created a business case for it. I don't need, the cool thing is Fran, it's been around for 30 years, right? So I don't need to recreate the wheel. But if I don't want to use their email templates, they by no means are, you know, shoving it down my throat to, to use those. I am able to change them any way I want. So I think that's a great point is there's a lot of myths around franchising. They're just flat out wrong. You know, there's people in Framit that have never been in franchising and they're doing great because it's just helping people. Right. Or there's people that say there's a myth about oh, I have to have experience as a plumber to buy, you know, a plumbing franchise. You, you really don't because you're not doing the work. You should be working on the business, not in the business doing the plumbing. When you're getting ready to purchase a franchise, obviously you're vetting this franchisee. You're looking at to see, I mean, we already talked about how you're looking to see if their habits and, and their intentions are in the, in the right place. But what about having the finances on the one side, you know, being able to purchase the, the particular franchise that you're, you're going for is one thing, but I'm assuming there has to be a, a relative amount of reserves, a certain amount of capital that you're setting aside for marketing, for example, uh, like how, how are you vetting them as, as an overall entity when they get ready to buy a franchise? Oh man, this is just the best question. So in the federal disclosure documents, there's a range and they track it every year for each franchise. And then they have to put the updated numbers for inflation, such and such, right? So at Camp Bauer, we, we require them to have 100,000 in working capital before we would give them their approval of opening. And the reason was, is that we were full on going to save them from themselves. The fixed costs are high with the doggy daycare. You've got 12,000 square feet, maybe, you know, and, and the rent is not free. It's $10,000 to $12,000 usually in industrial alone. So I always tell people, if you're not willing to, to get more money, 
to protect this business and your investment, then you should not do anything in any capacity. You should work your job mm-hmm. because you there is no risk without reward and vice versa. You have to be willing and, and calm about it and saying, you know what, this money's going to pay a manager so I can keep my job. And then one day when this business ramps up, I have the ability to pay myself more and more after the ramp up period when the clients are giving us referrals and things are coming in. And so it takes a lot of fortitude, you know, moxie, grit, whatever word you want to use. But remember, and you guys are seeing it all over the news, small business administration is the number one way because it's a guaranteed loan. You get less of a deposit if you go through SBA. Will it feel like you're giving up your firstborn child to the government? It will. But you can get a 3.75 fixed loan for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Tell me where you get that, right? It's 7.5. It's got points on it, right? There's there's cost to not going through SBA and, and doing the hard work to build a business plan. They're doing these things for a reason. They don't want businesses to fail. And the banks don't want you to fail because then they could be blacklisted for not being able to write and underwrite SBA loans. So I don't know. It's crazy to think about two government entities that have really helped grow an entire industry of franchising. It's the SBA and the Federal Trade Commission. And man, no one likes big government, but I'll tell you what, when it works, it works. And look at how fast they got people money after they figured out how to do it digitally, you know, for the the PPP, um, the idle loans, right? Their their emergency disaster loans. All you have to go to is sba.gov, not joking, apply right there, right? So if your business has been in hardship, was in existence um, February of 2020, the new round, you can apply. And, And this is meant to keep people in jobs and keep them off of unemployment and keep the economy going. So I think we've uh, we've scared people enough when it comes to franchising, right? We've talked about the regulation. We've talked about the funding aspect of it. We talked about what they can't do. But let's look at some of the upsides when it comes to franchising. Yeah. You know, it, one, one of the reasons that you talked about all this regulation and all this protection and all the working capital that they have uh, to back them up, there are also huge benefits to being part of a franchise, right? I, I mean, they got they get extra things. Like when you open the door of your business and it's not a franchise, nobody knows you exist. Right. However, with a franchise, there's some extra perks and there's a reason why you'd want a franchise over just kind of opening your doors. You know. Oh. So I have a talk with a friend that owns a private business and it's going to cost her about $15,000 to get a um, digital, you know, uh, CRM system that does, you know, DocuSign automatically, all of the things that I have that's included in my franchise with Framet, um, you would be shocked at how it adds up. And actually you wouldn't be because you guys are running a business and you know how much all of the things cost for t- technology, QuickBooks, right? Like all of the things you have to have in place to be successful. The best part that I love is that people say, oh, the royalty's too high. Okay, so it's usually five to eight percent typically in a service business model. Um, Well, did you actually look and see how much it costs? Did you talk to one human being that, you know, is in that franchise that is happy with the services or because that's absolutely something I will not I will not allow someone to buy a franchise without talking to other owners. But did you go to the local SBA score office, which I volunteer for here in Colorado score does 
free, I'm, I'm not joking, free business uh, consulting. They help you do a business plan. I mean, it is a wonderful organization and there's one in every city. Okay. So SBA.gov, you can find a score office or a small business uh, district office as well for SBA. So do your homework, right? Do your homework. And at the end of the day, what I see as the absolute number one best thing about being in a franchise, don't laugh. It's because you bought yourself friends that you'll have in your life forever. I still talk to the Camp Battle franchisees in some cases once a week, once a month. You know, we're all in it together and we really are a tribe and we created something really cool. But it's not just because you're buying friends. You're buying someone that's trusting, you know, you can work together. Hey, I'm going to test this new social media, you know, um, this new vendor and you test this other new vendor and, you know, let's tell corporate how it went and like committees and franchise advisory councils, which is another way back to our other point about how do you get change in a big system, right? And it's the franchisees working with corporate to make sure that it's always going to the next level and being innovative and things like that. So think about it. What do you, you know, paying for graphic designer alone could be a thousand dollars a month. So if you're buying a franchise, you're getting so much more than what you could get or think of yourself as a one single business owner of a plumbing business, right? So you have all of these people that are all in it to make money and to help people at the same time that you can benefit from. Starting a business, easy. Pick a name, register it, right. you're ready to go. Running a business and growing a business, whole different ballgame. I mean, everything from I'm going to bring on an employee to help me. Yeah, well, what are they going to do? What time do they clock in? What what service are they going to use to clock in? You know what do you what happens if they have a complaint? What about PTO? What about I mean everything that you're talking about here, you know the royalties cover it. You don't have to worry about what employees are going to do. The system's in place. You don't have to worry about what your logo is going to look like. It's already developed. You don't have to worry about almost anything other than get in there and operate what they're telling you to do and and practice what has already been created. That's I mean crazy. It's crazy how it works, but it's kind of scary at the same time because it, it is a large capital investment. I mean, there's a lot of people who take, you know, 401ks and IRAs and they and they do exactly what you said. They go in and they try to buy a franchise thinking it's the turnkey solution that they can walk away from. And they they end up, you know, walking away from an opportunity if they had just worked that particular business. It's so frustrating for me to see that give up mentality. And, you know, to be to be completely brutally honest, this is capitalism. And there's another franchisee that does love it, that will buy it from you. And so if there's anything I can give as wisdom to your community is if you own a business, find others that own a similar business and offer for them to buy it, you know, offer for you to buy it, buy, I mean, sell it, sorry, sell it to them and then let that person provide you a fair offer to buy it. Mm. And I think that's okay. I think that that is capitalism. I think that not everything is for everybody. 10 years, you know, I had a marriage that didn't even last 10 years, right? And I'm, I'm not trying to be silly when I say that. It is a long time. People have kids, a kid gets sick, they get divorced, right? There's life events. So don't be ashamed if you can't make maximum valuation on a business. Find someone to buy it that can and will, right? And don't give up. Don't ever give up as an entrepreneur because one failure doesn't mean anything in life. It's 
everything you do is a failure, maybe you have a problem, right? So <laughs> I always say, don't beat yourself up for thinking you'd really love something and then not. So I've done a lot of resales and I'll fight to the, to the end of the earth for them to get the best valuation, but they have to do it for themselves, right? It's not a Taj Mahal. No. You can't just build it and they come. You have to work it every day. Yes, you absolutely do. Megan, you've been a tremendous guest. I knew, I mean, I, I, we got connected through Steve Haru, right? Victory yeah. Selling. Uh, and, and I, you know, I spoke to you for a few minutes and I was like, you have such a great story. You're doing some amazing things. You need to be a guest on my show. And, and you, you, you came through. Absolutely. I mean, people have an interest in franchising. There's, there's this fantasy about owning a franchise and, and you came in with the reality of what it takes. So some, you know, people need to understand what it takes to do that sort of thing and why the benefits are there. And you, you definitely pulled it off. If people want to get more information from you, what's the best way to contact you? Hey, it's been scrolling. I appreciate you putting that up there. But, you know, if you go to frannet.com, it's really easy. I uh, just say Megan Allen. There's two Megans, one in St. Louis, or no, Kansas City, and then me here in Colorado. But my picture is loud and proud on there. So just uh, shoot me uh, an inquiry and I'll get right back to you guys. Awesome. Ladies and gents, I mean, franchising is awesome. They do a lot of the marketing for you. And I know there's a lot of you out there who are not franchises and you need help with putting out content. So you stop being invisible. So let us help you do that. We're going to do a 30 minute interview once a month with you guys, just like we did with Megan here. And we're going to pull out all the pertinent information about your particular business. And then we're going to chop it up so that you have content to put out on your social media pages so that you're not invisible anymore. Remember, you start off invisible, you start posting stuff, you become visible. People see the consistency, you become credible and then you can work towards profitability that's the way it's going to work and then maybe one day you can get yourself set up to become a franchise but for now let's get your content done for you go to businessbros.biz slash done for you that's businessbros.biz slash done for you and get your content ready to go megan thank you very much again for being on the show appreciate you coming on and sharing such valuable information you have great questions thank you it's a crazy industry but crazy like a fox i love it Oh, totally, totally. Well, thank you for coming on. And I'm glad I, I I'm glad I, I had a, a quality conversation because I, again, I mean, and we only scratched the surface. Right? I know. I mean, there's so I much that we can go into. Yes. All right. Thanks, buddy. Really All right, ladies and gents. Great we'll job. see you. We'll see you on Thursday, my favorite day of the week. It's S H I T. So happy it's Thursday. We'll see you manana. Peace. And we're out. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.